your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'd stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that is only the best with just the right amount of dirty Brought to you by the Brexit Dividend we didn't need any sponsor this week. We're minted. <laughs> Fuck yeah, people. Uh, we've recorded this on May the... No, not May. <laughs> March the 29th. Um, we're assuming that we'll have left by now. And we love it because we're idiots. Yay, no more curry. Get the fuck out, Clive. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. I should have left. Fuck. Actually, you're ago. one of the good ones, aren't you? You've got gold. You can stay. Um. <laughs> you're one of the yeah. You're one of them good immigrants. We're not worried about you. Yeah, you know one of the. You, you look. You look white. <laughs> you're fine. You could. You could be English. You know. You sound English. You look English. We'll let you stay. Yeah. But those bloody people who don't look English and sound a bit weird. Fucking hell. Yep, they're gone. They're gone. They need to. They need to get out. Um, hello, everybody. This is Stick Around, as you might have noticed. We are here for TV shows episode. Fuck knows <laughs> that rhymes wonderfully. Um, and it's the big 2018 roundup in the middle of 2019 because that's how we roll. Of <laughs> you know, best TV shows and stuff that's gone on in 2019. Bit of a streamlined crew today. We've a bit like Brexit. We're getting rid of rid of the shite. Um, so cable's gone. <laughs> And I probably, think he was the only... Probably the Theresa May of the podcast anyway, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I mean, he'd been, he was pushing it, wasn't he? Yeah. Kept asking for all these votes. I was like, fuck's sake, Cable. <laughs> we're going to stick to this normal process. We've done it three years. <laughs> this is how we're doing it. So, yeah, we, we've, we've got rid of him. Um, he was going to send us a list, but he hasn't, so he won't even be contributing. So I'm just here with um, TV expert Alex Wayne. Hello. And TV expert... Dave Peeling. Hello. Um, how are we both? Yeah, pretty good, actually. This is the first time in a while that I've recorded a podcast not hungover, believe it or not. <laughs> I was going to say you sound quite fresh, El. <laughs> yeah, I don't have... I'm not used to this. I don't have that manly twang anymore. I'm back to my uh, mm. nasal best. Maybe this will up the listener amount. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dave, you feeling good? Uh, no, I'm, I'm quite hungover. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Somebody had to be. I've had a coffee though. (laughs) I'm expecting that to fire in at any moment. Okay, I'm also having coffee, so but I'm not hungover. Had quite a wholesome day yesterday. Went around the peaks, sat on a cliff, and talked about the fact it wasn't as big as a Swiss cliff, and then went home. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Do we think it's been a good year of TV? Al, do you want to go first? Um, In sort of comparison to the last three or four years, maybe. I think it has been a good year, but maybe you might call it a low-key year. I think when I think about okay. some of the big prestige shows that we've had on the list before, like Game of Thrones had a had a rest year, Stranger Things did. Um, I think mm. perhaps this has been a quieter year, but I'm pretty happy with my top five. I really enjoyed them all. Uh, maybe not as much prestige stuff, but, you know, there's still loads of good telly out there. Dave? Uh, yeah, I think I tend to agree with Al. Um, I think there were there were things that um, 
that I really enjoyed this year, but I don't think going to be, you know, all time greats. But yeah, I watched I watched lots of TV and I enjoyed it. Cool. Um, I've watched basically fuck all, but I have watched one thing that's on somebody's list at some point. So I'll chip <laughs> in, and make no doubt the best points of the entire show. Um, undoubtedly. Le- <laughs> <laughs> undoubtedly. Right. Let's let's get started with uh, number five, and let's start with Dave down in. London. That there, London. Are there any um, still any Brexit marchers marching around? I suppose there won't be anymore because it's happened, doesn't it? I, I also I also live in Croydon, and I don't think there's much going on in Croydon. Um, That's a shame. What at all? <laughs> I thought it was just all one big like central zone. Everyone lived near Westminster, now. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, yeah. Okay. Um, it's, got, it's got a flat in Buckingham Palace, don't you, Dave? <laughs> Overlooking beautiful Piccadilly Circus and the Olympic Stadium. Yes. Um, well, thank you for that introduction. Um, it's exactly people like you that maybe want to vote leave. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if you've caught on at home yet, guys, but I'm being asked to come up with my top five TV shows for a year that finished quite a long time ago. Um, and yeah. some, of, some of these shows I won't have watched in... 15 months but please bear with me um that's fine <laughs> however the the first one on my list that uh, that i have came out fairly late in 2018 um it premiered on amazon prime in september uh and it's forever forever is a, a very dark dry um comedy web series starring fred armison and my rudolph as a married couple who, for the first time in their life, go on an adventurous holiday and manage to connive a situation where they end up seemingly in an afterlife. I can't really go too much into that because it's quite a large spoiler, but the the, the programme is created by Alan Yang, who also uh, co-wrote uh, Master of None with Season Zari, and it goes into kind of the interesting dynamics within long-term relationships and how, how a relationship might then continue into an afterlife if afterlife is also supposed to be everything you've always wanted. The, the, the married couple you follow, Oscar and, and June, have lived a very predictable life in, um, in suburbia for the previous kind of decade they've taken the same vacations eating the same meals on the same occasions and um they decide to shake it up with a with a ski trip when things start to go horribly wrong um the cast is uh cast is fantastic um uh, Maya Rudolph is genuinely one of the funniest people you'll you'll ever see on television um is fantastic as as June Catherine Keener makes a returning uh, is, is a returning character, a repeating character, sorry, um, recurring, that's the word, recurring character um, as a government employee who also ends up in the same kind of neighbourhood as, uh, as Oscar and June. And um, the series is only eight episodes of half an hour long and some of them are extremely dry and extremely um a black it's not a laugh out loud comedy by any means um but i i thought it was uh, i thought it was fantastic uh, it always left me wanting to know what's going to happen 
next with the next episode and it addresses some really big kind of ideas so yeah I, I really enjoyed Forever uh, I think it's back for a second series um, next year or this year I'm confused um, <laughs> yeah 2019 Dave I'm also trying to cope with the fact it's 11 but it's 10 um, yes God I, I, quite an existential crisis just like the issues faced by Oscar and June in the television series Seems wow <laughs> Wow, uh, I, haven't even, I haven't even heard of this one actually. Um, although I do like Maya Rudolph; she's very funny. Um, is it Amazon Prime? You said yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Have you have you seen this, Clive? Or have you heard of it? Um, I've heard of it. I've obviously not seen it because it's a TV show. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds really interesting, especially the sort of uh, idea of you know looking into a long term relationship. I find that really interesting. The arc of that kind of thing, and yeah taking it further by going into the afterlife that's interesting and looking into what a perfect one would look like so i'm definitely intrigued yeah it sounds so good if you think that you're living a perfect life and then you've got a dream of what a perfect life would be an afterlife is supposed to grant you that perfect life how does that compare okay with your yeah. long-term relationship on earth it's it's interesting mm. yeah it does sound interesting yeah if I'm right in thinking, I believe Maya Rudolph is married to paul thomas anderson in real life the film director what an incredible couple, assuming I'm right there. <laughs> let's, uh, let's well, just is this, is this you one are. of your wimpy facts? <laughs> let's assume <laughs> I am right, yeah. Um, well, shall we shit on it again like we did last time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Maya Rudolph is definitely married to Paul Thomas Anderson, and oh, there's only one wimpy in the UK, and that's in Doncaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, great wimpy it is, too. Really good. Of course. Uh, right, okay. Al, let's go to you for your number five. Uh, well, much like Dave, uh, this one is one that I watched near the start of 2018, so I don't have the clearest memories on it, but I do remember loving it a lot. Um, it's a mini-series, actually. It's a one-off um, based on a series of novels. It's uh, Patrick Melrose that um, was in Showtime in America, and I believe it was on Sky Atlantic in the UK, um, based on the books by Edward St. Auburn. Um, it's about a very... How should I put this? A very privileged, you know, mid, well, young to middle-aged man who is struggling to overcome his addictions and demons that are kind of based upon the abuse he suffered in childhood. Um, it stars Benedict Cumberbatch, and it, it's told over a series of timelines that are non-linear, showing you elements of his life where he suffered abuse or where he's abused himself. I thought it was very stark, actually. It was uh, written by David Nichols, who people will know as an author and a director as well. Um, I think I went into this with not a huge amount of expectation, except for the fact that the, the trailers looked good. But um, I found it surprisingly authentic. I mean, one of the things I wondered when I went into this is, how am I supposed to um, you know, feel things for this extremely privileged man who's, you know, let himself into these these horrendous addictions, but the show does a good job of making you sympathetic towards him, despite the fact he's not a particularly pleasant person for reasons, you know, to do with his addictions. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is superbness, actually. This this converted me. Uh, I've seen him in a few things before, and I, I don't think he's a bad actor, but I've never really bought the idea that he was brilliant. Uh, but he is truly brilliant in this. I believed he was an addict. Um, I believed he was this deeply flawed individual with you know, several personality issues. And it was also quite funny at times as well, despite the very, very dark subject matter, um, kind of the wry humour, the um, 
the gallows humour, if you like, in, in the middle of his addiction and the horrible things he does. Um, really, you know, gave, gave this a sense of grounding that it could have it could have easily been just a, a dower fest. Hugo Weaving, as well, it must be said, as his um, as his father, who appears in flashbacks, uh, is also extremely superb. And it's got a who's who of people who play posh people in British TV shows. Um, I don't even know the names of all of them, but you know, if you watch things like The Crown or any kind of BBC prestige shows, you'll know them. And you're like, oh yeah, that's that's posh guy number one. Um, they're in everything. You know, they've just got that accent. Um, has anyone have you seen this or aware of it or read the novels? Maybe none of those three things. Same. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So you, you weren't even aware of this or um, seen posters for it or anything? Not that I've no, no, no of, no, so I must have not Okay, no worries. Maybe if you showed me a poster, I'd be like, yeah, I've seen that. But um, it sounds interesting, though. It might be up your street, Clive, so it's, a one, it's only one season. There won't be another season. Um, it's, only yes. five, it's only five episodes. Um, oh, well. So it's, it's, it's a mini-series, um, and it, 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 is, it is quite intense. It's quite... Um, yeah, it, it feels very authentic. Um, I was surprised at how good I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah, it hit me by surprise, and I was thinking about this list, and it didn't occur to me to start with, but then I, I looked over a big list of shows that came out in 2018 on various channels, and then I just mm. the more I thought of it, I was like, yeah, this is clearly one of the best I've seen. Um, probably Sky Atlantic's first proper great show that they've made by themselves as well. And well, it was made in in combination with Showtime in America, who made a fair few good ones. Uh, but yeah, this is heartily recommended, especially for someone like you, Clive, who likes self-contained stories. Yeah, definitely. And it sounds like a, I like the idea of how his abuse has, you know, exploring how his abuse has led to the uh, drug abuse that he's got and stuff like that. I like that yeah, kind I mean, of thing. So it sounds interesting. Yeah, I'm a sucker for non-linear storytelling as well. So it's not just kind of flashbacks. It's more like mm. time jumps, if you like. So it's not like you're right. rooted in one timeline and he flashes back. It's It okay. just jumps between, but it, it, it's seamless. It, you're never confused by it. Um, cool. Yeah, very recommended. Awesome. I'll add that to my list because that's something I could probably get through. Um, back to Dave then for your number four. Thank you very much. So... Um, Next on my list uh, is not a show that was on my list when we started recording this podcast, as I realised that that show hadn't hadn't actually aired in 2018. Um, And so I've decided to go for a show that did air in 2018. Controversial. Right. Always professional. (laughs) Um, So, uh, in at number four on my list is the second series of Glow. Um, I, I've definitely spoken about this show before um, on on the podcast. Glow is um, it's a Netflix series. I say in its second series now, starring Alison Brie and Betty Gilpin as um, former former friends and actors in a soap opera kind of scene, who then through misfortune make their way into the world of low budget female only wrestling competitions. Also stars Mark Maron as the uh, the director of the series, along with a, uh, an all star cast uh, uh, of of other female act- actors playing part of the other wrestlers uh, that make up the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Series two um, sees the 
sees the group having um, kind of gelled together now as uh, as a bit of a unit as they uh, have become syndicated on television and um, it, it it goes into some more of the kind of uh, interpersonal relationships between the wrestlers and the producers and the directors and ends with the uh, with the threat of the, the show as a kind of low budget, not very well understood and not particularly appreciated by more conservative sponsors, uh, threatening threatened to, to to come off the uh, come off the the air. This this show, um, as I say, this is the second series now uh, on Netflix. It's ne- Netflix produced. The show has some fantastic performances, particularly uh, Alison Brie, who portrays Zoya the Destroyer as she goes on a, a campaign of carnage against uh, Liberty Bell, which is who's Betty Gilpin. Uh, Alison Brie uh, has, a, has a fantastic range in this and you can really see the kind of uh, the, de- the way that these characters have developed from, from the first series and there's a, there's a properly there's a properly nice feel to the way this whole cast is 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 well it's kind of contained it's almost as though you're watching a a kind of bottle episode every every show as this uh the this group of of women as they try and kind of fight back from their various different uh, misfortunes in life to to get back onto the tv screen but um primarily focused around the gym that they're all training in and that, I, uh, I think that's a, it's a really great feature of this show. Mark Maron is, a, is fantastic as the, as, the, uh, as the director, the cynical director who just wants to be making horror movies but has been forced to, to come and make a wrestling show for a paycheck. Um, yeah, it's a really great TV series. Ten episodes this series. There's a, another series coming back later this year. Uh, and I think there might be a couple more after that as well. Yeah, that's um, Glow. Cool. Um, I, I still haven't seen this, despite the fact you've been recommending this for a while. Um, it is up my street as well. I, I used to love wrestling, and I, you know, I love comedies. Um, but I don't know why I've just not got around to it. Um, it did make me think of something I have seen recently, though, that I might talk about in the next film podcast. Has anyone else seen Fighting with My Family yet? No. No, I want to. Yes, yeah, it's really, really good. I mean, I don't know how it compares to Glow, aside from the fact it's wrestling, but. Um, there's, there's definitely. I, I know Glow is a comedy, but w- would you describe it as having, you know, any pathos, Dave, or is it is it more straight? Hold on, let me just Google pathos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you tell me what it is as well, Dave? While you're at it, just sounds Greek. Who's bringing Greek shit, right? Really? <laughs> Oh yeah, shit! I forgot we've Brexited, haven't we? Yeah, yeah we can't <laughs> use Greek words anymore, yeah. Al. They've been eliminated. We're going to burn all the Oxford dictionaries and get rid of any foreign words, okay. which will be probably most of them. But I would say that it does fine. possess a quality that evokes pity or sadness. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, thanks. I really want to watch this anyway. I really should as well. Like I said, it's it's it seems like it was written for me, but I just haven't got round to it. How how long are the episodes, Dave? Are we talking a, an hour job or half an hour? Or? We're talking an American hour. An American hour, so yeah, about forty three minutes, something like that. Okay. Um, I've seen the I've actually seen the first season of Glow and started watching the second season. Was really enjoying it and then fucked off to Thailand and couldn't watch the rest. But I'm gonna carry on watching it because i was really enjoying it like i say i'm glad it's uh, held up anyway to the first season yeah and kept it seemed it did seem like the f- kind of thing that when the first season finished often i'm a bit like okay let's leave it there 
it did seem like the kind of thing that could carry on yeah you know what i mean so i'm glad it's glad it's been done well yeah that is awesome news because it is great um cool that brings us to al you're number three four <laughs> fucked it no, number four, one job four yeah <laughs> one four, job oh, yeah, four, yeah you're right uh, well, my number four is another miniseries, actually. Uh, it's another one that won't be coming back for a second season and was designed that way. Um, and it's another one that was on Sky Atlantic, albeit made by HBO. Um, it's Sharp Objects, uh, which is probably best described as a psychological thriller. Um, it's an adaptation of Gillian Flynn's uh, debut novel. Uh, she's probably better known for... Ooh, I probably should have prepared that sentence before I started it. Um <laughs> <laughs> best known for Gone Girl of course the uh, David Fincher film starring Ben Affleck and other people <laughs> uh, this is going well wow uh, anyway <laughs> I like it is... I like spoiler it. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is directed by John Mark uh, Valet, who's probably best known for Dallas Buyers Club stars Amy Adams Patricia Clarkson and some other people um, it's a kind of a dark a gothic dark crime drama really Amy Adams plays the main character who works, she's a journalist who works for a newspaper and has to go back to her own her own hometown uh, for a series of murders of young girls. Uh, the problem is she is deeply scarred from her experiences based on her hometown, uh, abuse from her mother, and she spent time in a, psychi- a psychiatric hospital. Uh, she self-harmed quite a lot, hence the title Sharp Objects. And it, it kind of developed into a kind of a noir crime thriller, albeit told from somebody who is a journalist rather than a cop. Um, and it's, it, it's swimming in, you know, classic noir tropes, which kind of a cliche, but not um, not one that I minded at all. Uh, beautifully shot, um, you know, movie standard. Um, the performances are absolutely outstanding. I talked about Benedict Cumberbatch on the last one. Uh, Amy Adams might be even better in this, although I was already a believer in Amy Adams before this. Um, Patricia Clarkson, um, who I knew the name of and I knew the face of before, but I couldn't have really put a performance to a name, um, is outstanding in this as well. Um, if you like kind of gothic horror meets um, you know gothic noir, this is like, like honey glazed basically um it's it's absolutely superb tv um and i'm glad it's just the one season i think there was rumors that they were maybe going to try and do a second one but it, it it wouldn't work it wouldn't work um let sleeping dogs lie in this one if you liked gone girl this is very much in the same style i know you've probably seen gone girl haven't you clive i'm guessing yeah, i have yeah and i really liked it yeah. so you've had, got had, your... you, had you heard of this one at all um, I'd, again, I'd heard of it, but I didn't realise the links between them. So, yeah. definitely intrigued. And it's a, just like a, a, a single thing. <laughs> it is, again. Uh, again. How many episodes have you mentioned? Uh, I believe there are six. Okay, Ma- cool. Maybe eight, but there's def- it's definitely just the one one season. It is, I'm liking this trend. Yeah, eight, eight episodes, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I quite like a good miniseries, actually. Um, so anything that's self-contained, it's more like an extended film, really. Yeah, a bit more like a book rather than... Or I suppose it's like the equivalent of like a one book as opposed to a massive series of books. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen this, Dave, or any interest at all? Uh, I'm, yeah, I mean, it, did, it, it was something that I had on my list, but no, I've not seen it. It does sound really good, though. I mean, it, it, it's kind of what you expect it to be in the sense that if you see a trailer 
it's not going to surprise you. It's going to be that yeah. that kind of cram drama, uh, not too dissimilar in in many sort of themes or kind of style way it's shot to uh, True Detective season one, uh, which isn't a bad thing. Although I would probably describe it as better actually. Very Ooh. very, it's not easy watching, um, but yeah, I, I was I thought it was superb. I mean, Gillian Th- Flynn. I haven't actually read any of her. You know novels, but there was definitely a style to her adaptations. So it, it's kind of a, it's almost quite sordid, but in a good way. Like you kind of feel almost embarrassed to be enjoying these um, horrible people doing horrible things and these revelations. But you know, there's mm-hmm. a reason people buy those magazines where it's. In fact, there's a magazine called Love It where if you look it up, the the uh, the stories on the front cover are amazing. They'll be like um, my dad put my hamster up my sister's fanny or something like that. Um, <laughs> ridiculous Christ. stuff, that, like allegedly real. Um, but, and it's called Love It, or like, you know, um, my dad murdered my two kids and then baked them into a pie or something ridiculous like that. Christ, um, sounds like Roald Dahl. <laughs> well, that one, not the other one. But I'm going to see, actually, while we're kind of not really live, I'm going to see if I can actually find a... Um, an actual title. Bear with me because okay. I'm making these up, but I couldn't actually probably make make up the covers. <laughs> Bear with me. Right, one okay. Minute. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, this sounds really good. Um, is it quite gripping, Al? I'm guessing usually it's. A, yeah, it's a I mean, of... yeah, yeah. I, I I pretty much I binged them in two goes. So the six the six right. episodes, and I I binged them in two goes. It is that cl- classic kind of like, um, yeah, it, it's. It's going to grip you for a minute. Okay, so here we go. Um, <laughs> right, here we okay. go. So, Love It ma- magazine, uh, only 69p, unmissable apparently. Yeah. Um, Very good, value. Rat Hubby had heart attack in a brothel. They phoned me to break the news. Um, granddad raped me when I was on the toilet. Um, what? Jesus. Uh, dad set up a cult to get me raped. Mum who pays broke builders for sex ambushed on a cinema trip yeah th- these are ridiculous um i really hope someone tuned in at exactly that point and thought that was your top five film uh, tv programs of 2015 <laughs> <laughs> yeah very possible just um, this guy's got a lot of problems I mean, Love It magazine is in many ways nothing like Sharp Objects, so I've gone off on a massive tangent here, but um, <laughs> what I mean is <laughs> the only similarities I would describe it as having are the fact that we, Gillian Flynn or stuff like this, kind of draws into the fact that we really enjoy reading about some pretty fucked up stuff, um, hmm. but does it stylishly as opposed to Love It magazine, which is available <laughs> for only 69p, but uh, <laughs> yeah, heartily recommended anyway. Great, this is another thing I'm going to add to my list. What, Love It magazine or Sharp Object? Yeah, no, Love It magazine, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's cheaper, it's probably quicker to get through. Probably gets to the point, doesn't it? None of the arty bollocks, it's just so-and-so got raped in a toilet. Maybe there'll probably be a bit of fluff around it, but I'm sure it won't be much more than a page. Yeah. Um... So. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, Dave, let's go to you for your number three. Back on track. Thank you very much. Um... So, my number three from 2018 is the third season of uh, Netflix documentary series Last Chance You. Last Chance You follows teams who play 
junior college football, American football in um, in the US. Uh, junior college football being uh, a kind of route for kids who are trying to break it big into the NFL but did not have the educational acumen or the uh, kind of clean record needed to get into uh, the kind of AAA universities in the US where college football is so big. It really is, uh, there, there really are lots of stories of desperation and sadness here. Lots of kids who um, have always been told by uh, grown-ups that they're destined to make millions in the National Football League when in actual fact they stand next to no chance whatsoever and the the kind of traipsing around the, the country they will do to get onto a, a, a roster that might get them into uh, into a decent university. Season three is the first series that moves away from Scuba, Mississippi uh, and we've gone this time moved to Independence College in, in Kansas. So it's the story of the 2017 season with Independence Community College Pirates and um, the, the series is in some ways it shows a college even more desperate than the one in the first two series. The, the college they picked for the first two series of Last Chance U, whilst undoubtedly a much, much smaller program um, than lots of uh, universities in America, uh, set in a town of only 600 people. It was still one of the kind of powerhouse programs for junior college football that won many national championships before the Netflix cameras got there. Independence Community College is absolutely not like that whatsoever. And the first series opens with with the coach um, trying to uh, take get get weights that he's gone and collected and bought secondhand out of his pickup truck into the gym that he's just painted, whilst he sorts through bags of um, uniforms trying to sort them, uh, trying to sort them out for the kids. It's it's much more of a scale with school. Uh, kind of school kind of sports over here rather than the kind of 40 strong uh, athletic crew that that um, EMCC had in series one and two. The, the head coach is uh, Jason Brown who was a former high school star himself and did get onto an NFL roster very briefly and he has uh, he's taken he's, he's just started as a new head coach of this school. He has a a quite interesting style of coaching. Uh, he was brought up. Uh, he he was brought up in in LA during the period of the riots, and he was orphaned, and he was picked up. He was uh, adopted by by a family there, uh, and he has a very brash style that is all his own. That that definitely comes to the fore in this. In particular, highlights are the scenes. Uh, of him sat in his hot tub smoking enormous cigars whilst he reviews the um, the performance of his kids the, uh, earlier that day. Um, Last Chance You is it is remarkable. Um, the um, it, it doesn't focus a fat lot on game action except where it gives a context for the kind of moods and behaviours of all the people in the show around it but also goes a lot into the backstory of these, the heartbreaking backstories of these 18, 19 year old kids who are just trying to make something for themselves for whom 
will never get away from that life and will end up slipping back into it, including the kid that that lives in his in his in his fifteen-year-old uh, estate car with no glass in the back windows, with plastic bags taped over it, and he sleeps in the the car park of the gym because he the only thing he's kind of got going for him is to try and get a football scholarship so that he can make some money for his uh, family's farm. Um, it, it is properly properly sad stuff in this. It's it's a really well produced program. The it's extremely well shot. The stories are extremely thoughtfully told. It's fly on the wall television, like uh, like very little I've seen in recent years. If it has a downside, it's that now we're in the third series. People in the show kind of know what to expect from the output, and there's there would occasionally seem to be some, you know, uh, changes in behaviour because of that. That said, you know, gonzo journalism of this type is, is always going to inherently have an effect on the people being being filmed. So it's something that all documentaries, I'm sure, have to face and all documentarians have mm. to have to deal with. But um, yeah, I, 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 this is another fantastic series of a, of a brilliant show. Uh, yeah, it's got a strong recommendation from me. Um, this sounds. I've not watched any of these actually. I started watching one, but it wouldn't have been this season because it wasn't. This doesn't ring a bell. What you're talking about, but was enjoying it. But this one sounds brilliant. I'm definitely gonna. You guys are smashing out the park today. This is another one that I definitely <laughs> really want to watch because um, yeah, I find that really appealing of the idea of, like you say, it's so grassroots that the guy's practically doing everything himself yeah. and like. I find um, people like that where they're just doing it entirely for the passion because he's probably getting paid fuck all mm. um, are kind of interesting to watch, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, just, I don't know, something about that makes me, uh, yeah, makes me interested to watch it. So, and just like you say, there seems to be lots of heartbreaking stories around it and it kind of makes those the, the things you hear about, but just actually watching an individual in that situation, it makes it way different to just hearing about it. Mm. Um, so yeah, that definitely sounds really good. I've um, I've seen the first two seasons of this, but I haven't seen this season. Um, again, it's been on my list for a while now. Um, this this is actually, I mean, I, w- I would have watched it eventually anyway, but um, this has probably moved it up the list. I did I did think it was going to be another season at the same college which I didn't think could sustain mm. the third season. So no. I'm really glad to hear they've moved. Um, I mean, the first two seasons were very good, but, you know, it ran its course. But um, this sounds a lot different. Yeah. Um, I mean, like like you said, the, the the first season, although they were kind of last chance hopers, they were at a pretty elite institution still, even albeit, a, you know, small uh, in terms of, you know, where it is mm. and the town it's at, but still, you know, an elite performance unit, really. Um, so yeah, this, this this sounds really interesting. I'm gonna have to get on it. Mm. Excellent. Um, which means we're on to your number three, Al. Okay. Uh, so this is one that I suspect, nay, well, let's just say I know will be on Dave's list later. So Dave can <laughs> chip in with this quite a lot. Uh, it's a show that Dave has championed a lot on this, and and so far it's the only show where one of its creators has had interaction with the podcast. Uh, it is Ooh. Inside Number Nine, uh, of which we're talking about season four and the Halloween special. Um, I was very, very late to this. Um, I've watched every single episode of it within the last year, having put it put it off for a while for no particular reason. But yeah, I, I love it now. I'm, um, I know Dave's been ranting and raving about it for years now. 
uh, <laughs> and, and, and comparing it to um, other anthology shows, much to the displeasure of um, one of its creators. Hi, Reese, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> of course he is. Um, yeah, so see, season four is... In, Trying not to offend him this time. I mean, I, I watch these all in one go, um, so it's hard for me to separate the quality of the seasons, but um, season four at least seemed to be as strong as the others, um, if, if not better, really. Um, so this one debuted, debuted right at the start of the year, actually, so it, it, only, it only just counts. So it's the 2nd of January for the, for the first episode. Uh, but it's still 2018. I found it absolutely mesmerising telly as usual. And it, it is very different to other anthology series out there. I thought the highlight episode was an episode called uh, Bernie Clifton's Dressing Room, uh, which is about a double act called Cheese and Crackers, very kind of cheesy kind of Morecambe and Wise, albeit not maybe as sophisticated as that style double act, who've been reunited after a long time, after a falling out. But I, I, I could have picked half, half the episodes in here. Uh, what, what I love about Inside Number 9 is the, the mixture of um, kind of dark humour and to use, another, to use that Greek word again, pathos. I, the, the, the level of detail, to, well, so level of genre detail is also pretty stunning. It, the show kind of wears its influences on its sleeve and um, y- you could analyse every episode and think, yep, yeah, that's a reference to that, that's a reference to that. And I think possibly um, the show peaked with its much, um, how can we put this, much talked about live episodes, uh, Deadline, which was a, I think it was called Deadline anyway, yeah, yeah. Deadline, that was a um, a live episode that famously tricked people into thinking that it had actually had technical problems and apparently lost literally about a million viewers as a, as a result, but, you know, gained <laughs> legendary status afterwards. Um, I'm not going to talk too much more about it because Dave's going to be far better at this than me. Dave, what did you think of season four? Yeah, I thought uh, I thought season four was uh, absolutely brilliant. That the standard has stayed really, really high. Yeah, Bernie Clifton's dressing room. It was a it was a fantastic episode. Properly, kind of uh, uh, properly heartbreaking at the end. The um, the live episode though that was on in autumn that actually got uh, made made a reference back to stick around's Twitter feed within it um, <laughs> which I was particularly impressed with was just spectacular I mean I it properly properly it tricked me I think it made such incredible use of the live episode kind of gimmick, if you will. It it just threw it on its head. I don't think anyone anywhere worked out what was what was going on. I think it was a thoroughly properly chilling and I oh, genuinely genuinely terrifying. Oh oh my goodness and it it had you it took a trope of the kind of live episode it started off kind of conforming to that, somewhat conforming to that trope, certainly kind of uh, had a feel of a kind of generic number nine episode in it, and then took that and twisted it so quickly and so thoroughly that it left me sat in my living room properly chilled about what I was watching and what was going to happen next and made me really question 
everything that I was seeing and everything that was happening. It was just a remarkable piece of work. A crying shame that it was not eligible for the best live event at the BAFTAs because it was 14 seconds too short. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> no, that's absolute bollocks or all that. I mean, that's just, yeah. Who comes up with that? What what kind of bullshit is that? I just no idea. But um, there are some other there are some other great episodes this season. Um, uh, Tempting Fates, which is uh, two, uh, sorry, three uh, three people from uh, a kind of uh, industrial cleaners who go to a, an old hoarder's flat to clear it out. And uh, yeah, as we said, like Bernie Bernie Clifton's dressing room was a was a great one. I. Every oh, and of course the um, the the first episode of the series Zanzibar, which was entirely shot in iambic pentameter, it's not <laughs> shot in iambic, but the script's entirely in iambic pentameter, which almost had a uh, it had a bit of a oh, what's the name? There was oh Christ, <laughs> the Grand Budapest Hotel feel to uh, to the oh yeah, I can see that. I can yeah, see that. To, yeah. to, to the to the setting with uh, with um, a, a a porter kind of connecting the stories of all the people in all the different rooms and uh, yeah, a fantastic cast, uh, including Rory Kinnear in that in that one. But I mean, these guys have set the bar so very high. They do an episode that is unique every single time. And, and and I've never felt like I'm watching something formulaic. I've never mm. ever gone into one of these and had any real idea what is going to happen by the end of it. I know that they're going to be somewhere between a full-on pure comedy to an extremely dark comedy, all the way out to a, a proper horror slash thriller. But I mean, that's wide enough a scale as it is. I've, they do something completely different each and every time. The only connection is those two is um, is Reece Shearsmith and um, Steve Pemberton, and the, the the number nine somewhere on a door or in a window or or wherever. And I just can't believe that it doesn't get more credit than it than it does. That it's it's never really been shown the level of respect that it deserves. It keeps on coming back for more. Uh, the BBC do keep on letting them do it. I can't imagine that they're particularly massive budget shows to make because they're very, very often they're only one or two set kind of you know, demands on on um, on production crews. But they're just incredible bits of television. Um, and that 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 deadline, that one particular episode. I mean that could prob- that that might be the best singular piece of best single episode of television that I've watched this millennium. Oh, big claim! Yeah, I, uh, I'm totally won over. I mean, I, I'm someone who's a huge fan of the League of Gentlemen, but I think this is probably. I know it's not exactly the same people; it's just two of the the League, if you like. But um, I think this has perhaps uh, surpassed it for um, for my favourite show that they've made. Anyway. Um, I mean, I love the League of Gentlemen as well. I mean, they are different shows, to be fair. But um, yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I, I was completely converted by this. Um, I think they're making a season five at the minute, from what mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, can't wait for that. I'm assuming it'll come out this year. Yeah, well, 
awesome. couldn't be recommended more. <laughs> Where did it come on your list, Dave? Um, so I could very happily make this my number one. Um, I've got another TV show that is very different that I also have consistently really enjoyed as well um, that I've got to talk about. Okay. Cool. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to decide very close this later top on. two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this sounds great. Uh, you've talked about it before, um, both of you, I think, at some point on other podcasts. And it's always been something that I've been like, yeah, I need to go and watch that. And then I forget about it again because probably lines up with what Dave's saying about it not really getting as, as much hype and stuff as it deserves. Yeah. Um, so I often only hear it really mentioned when, I, when I'm listening to you guys. But it sounds fantastic. Um, I like it that it seems to be kind of pushing the boundaries um, and that it, like each episode is self-contained and that they're so like different. It just sounds perfect, like my kind of thing. So I should definitely, yeah, just watch, definitely need to give just, it a go. Just go watch one. It's 28, yeah. 27 minutes long. Yeah, and, that's the other thing. And if great. you never get back to another one until a month later, it doesn't matter because they are so, mm. they're so well potted. Awesome. Right. Um, we're going to Al now for his number two, which I believe is something I have actually watched. Oh, Spoiler. I think. Unless Ooh. you've made a change. I think that was my number three we went to, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, but I. it was also... Ah, uh, okay, yeah, okay, let's, yeah, let's go to my number two then. Executive decision. Uh, <laughs> so, my number two this year was my number, I believe it was my number one last year. Um, no surprise mm. to anybody. Uh, the Handma- Handmaid's Tale season two is my number two this year. Uh, picks up exactly where the last season left off and... Goes into uncharted territory, actually, a bit like later seasons of Game of Thrones, in that there's no more book to adapt. This picks up after the ambiguous ending of the first season, and and indeed of the book, where June is taken away, either to be potentially rescued or potentially just hung. Uh, it picks up with an absolutely unbelievable uh, scene uh, shot in Fenway Park, where mm. the all of the handmaids are lined up as if they're to be ha- hanged. Uh, in a scene that, although we know that um, June, uh, played by Elizabeth Moth, can't be hanged this early in the season, um, does enough to, you know, give you genuine anxiety, or at least it gave me that. Um, I worried about this season. I worried that perhaps without the book to fall back on, um, it would just get a bit ridiculous or just lose its way a bit. And I would say that to an extent that's happened with Game of Thrones, not to the extent I haven't enjoyed it, um, but I thought the last season in particular was the weakest. Um, I'm really pleased to say, at least in my opinion, that this se- this season of uh, Henry's Tale was more or less as good as the first. Uh, certainly there were elements of it that were arguably better. It kind of focuses on basically June's, or Offred as her, um, her slave name basically is, her attempts at freedom and, and her attempts at basically just starting a revolution uh, that w- I'm assuming will come to some sort of fruition in the soon-to-come third season. The performances are, are outstanding as usual. Uh, I mean, I th- think I've said it before, but Elizabeth Moss, I, I believe, is the best actress working. Or possibly, let's just forget the, the trust, but the best actor working at the minute. Um, I saw her recently with a cameo appearance in Us, the new horror film, which she has only a very small room, but again, she... Roll, sorry, but she... Um, she steals a lot of the, the scene she's in. Uh, this stars again Joseph Fiennes, um, Yvonne Strahovski, uh, and a few, quite a few others like Anne Dowd, quite famously. I was I was gripped from minute one again by this season, and it didn't 
I, to use a well kind of verse term, that it didn't jump the shark. I know some people um, didn't quite like it as much as the first season. Some people thought that it got a little bit almost grieve porn, it was called at some points, in the sense that they thought people were enjoying too much of the absolute, um, you know, des- desolation, desolation, sorry. Um, but I didn't see that, and I think to an extent, a bit like how I hinted at with sharp objects, we do like seeing devastating things because it gives us a sense um, that maybe Brexit and Trump aren't that bad, or not yet at least. But yeah, I, I, I was a huge fan of this season. I believe I know you're a huge fan of the first season, Clive. But had you seen this one as well? Yeah, I've seen both seasons. It's probably you know up there with my. It very. It probably is my favorite TV show that I've ever seen. I love it. Um, I loved the second season probably just as much as the first to be honest because I liked um because it was went away from the book it was able to kind of tackle a bit more stuff going on now and make it quite relevant I thought which mm-hmm. I think they did really well because I think they could have done that really badly and a bit too like obviously but I thought it was done really really well I think it's like you say Elizabeth Moss is absolutely amazing she's yeah absolutely the best actor <laughs> around at the minute I've not seen her in anything else but in this she's just the way she can hold, you know, hold the scene with a camera just in her face for minutes on end and show emotions without saying things and without overdoing it. Um, it's absolutely perfect. She's fantastic. Um, that Fenway scene that you mentioned at the start, Fenway Park scene, is I can't think of a more striking scene that I've seen for you know for years in, on film or TV. Um, I thought it was absolutely amazing. I was just completely blown away by it. Um, and yeah, I just it's it's just a fabulous TV show. So uh, when's the next um, season coming out, Al? Is it this year? Uh, very or soon. Very, very soon. Um, I, I'm assuming. Okay. I'm assuming it's still uh, going to be on Channel Four in this country. Although I'm not sure if we've had a you know a, a final confirmation on that. But um, yeah, from sure. what I understand, it's due like really, really soon, like in the next couple of months. Um, yeah. I don't know exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I can't wait. Uh, I think if it's anything like the first two, we'll have to wait about a month until it started in the US, which mm. seems absurd to me, but um, I don't know yeah. why we can't get some kind of... Everything else seems to be more or less simultaneous release now, so let, let's hope it comes at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd yeah. definitely be good. The other thing that um, I think you mentioned, I think you and Michael have mentioned this before, probably in last, last year's best of uh, list, but the fact it just it's just so beautifully shot and uh, every scene is perfect and i don't know it's just beautiful even if you didn't really look know what was going on i think every shot is like something you could frame it's stunning yeah oh yeah and that's it's, continued um, into the second season the use of light especially i think um, yeah, almost more than anything else yeah. the use of light is is ridiculously good mm-hmm. um yeah i mean I I'm again worried for the third season for no particular reason because the first two have been so excellent. But I worry that um, again without the book to go on, maybe it won't be quite as good. But um, I don't know why I'm worried. You know, I should have faith yeah. in these people. I think it's going to have a shelf life like anything. Really, I hope they don't take go on too long. I feel that possibly yeah. I've heard them talk potentially of doing you know eight seasons or whatever. I think that might be too much. Mm. Maybe, yeah. maybe maybe four, maybe five, possibly a max. Um, but yeah. Uh, have you watched this at all yet, Dave? I can't remember if you've seen this. No, I've not yet. You you would love it, by the way. I, I think you probably know that, but... Um, you yeah. Know, like, you would love this, generally. Um, and it's, it's every bit as good as the hype it gets. Like, we talked about Inside Number 9 maybe not getting the attention it deserves. I think it does with certain people, but not 
in you know with a wider public. Mm. Uh, Handmaid's Tale is one of those rare examples where a show is every bit as good as it as it as is, and it seems to have a lot of broad appeal yeah. as well. So there's there's people I work with who. Um, not that I'm naming names and I'm not shaming them, but they've got very poor taste in other things. But <laughs> they liked they liked The Handmaid's Tale, and yeah, it, it seems kind of weird a broad that, appeal, think, despite the fact yeah. it's you know it's very highbrow. God, I sound pretentious there, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I was I was an immense fan of season two. It was very close to being my number one. I could have easily made it my number one. I've just got one show that I just thought deserved it a little bit more um, this season, but yeah, okay, cool. Awesome. Right. Well, let's go to Dave for your, um, well, the the thing, the one you've not talked about yet. I don't know if you've decided whether it's number one or two. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. So, so um, the final one that I'm going to talk about today uh, is The Good Place. Um, the Good Place rather controversially for a show uh, focused on the top five TV programs of any given year has made a habit of running its series across the Christmas New Year period. <laughs> So um, I'm kind of stuck here between the second half of season two and the start of season three. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to slightly ignore those conventions and just talk about what's, what's happened since the first series. So The Good Place, for those that don't know, is, um, uh, is, a, is, a, is a series focusing on four humans who have got to the afterlife um, in in series one, it becomes apparent that none of them really should be in uh, in the good place, a kind of heaven-like um, reward for a good behaviour part of, of, of the afterlife. And at the end of season one, there is a, a, a rather large uh, uh, cliffhanger. Season two opens with the uh, everyone from season one having had their memories wiped but a clue has been left uh, from at the end of season one that is then um, allows the uh, all, all the all the humans to, to work out very quickly uh, what had already gone before them in season one. Season season two builds on some of the great ideas that were kind of suggested at in in the first series and really interrogates them. It, I I really thought that they were going to struggle after that. After the first series, which seemed to be so much predicated on one big plot twist, uh, but that has absolutely been so very far from the case. Uh, I've, I've, it really made me look stupid. Mike, this is uh, <laughs> created by uh, Mike Mike Sure, who also uh, d- did Brooklyn Nine Nine and um, Parks and Recreation, amongst other things. Uh, yeah, he wrote some episodes of The American Office as well, but. Um, with that reputation that he built up for working on, you know, ratings-wise, really great television, NBC gave him pretty free reign with this. Uh, he doesn't really get notes from the network anymore, and it isn't a formulaic kind of half an hour every week kind of uh, sitcom like you might expect from someone with a with a resume like that. Not that any of those programs I've just mentioned were anything other than extremely funny. Um, this series uh, and the third series really, um, really work on the kind of uh, existential and philosophical issues and, and moral quandaries that people find in everyday life, and um, 
approach them from such a wholehearted and good and thoroughly well-reasoned place that every single episode is just extremely uplifting. You can tell that the show has been produced by um, a lot of a lot of people who, in a time in the world where it seems like there's lots of bad things going on, um, have approached the TV show with uh, a relentless positivity that. On the, on the face of it, it sounds like it should be schmaltzy and should be a bit creepy, but actually um, means that you, you end up watching a programme that has just some really wholehearted, thoroughly uh, enjoyable set pieces, uh, a brilliant uh, brilliant sense of humour, but is also challenging and interesting uh, a, a watch at the same time. Um, the, the third series has finished now in... Uh, in the UK and uh, there's not another series coming out now until 2020 I think they've got a slightly bigger gap but um, having watched the first three series now I can't wait for a fourth one to, to, to come out um, fantastic performances all round Kristen Bell has been around for uh, a long time now as a, a very good actor but um, sterling performances from um, from Jamila Jamil as um, Tahani and um, Manny Jacinto as Jendon Mendoza who is a, a dead DJ and drug dealer from Jacksonville, Florida who is just the stupidest person that you've ever seen on television uh, and also Darcy Carden as Janet who is the, um, the, the, the programmed guide that supports all the humans in their, uh, in their time in the afterlife and of course, uh, Ted Danson, who is Michael and the architect of the Good Place. The season two and three sees Michael go on a a, a fantastic arc uh, from the the from the first from the villain of the first series. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a fantastic performance from him. Um, really, really great cast. Really great writing. Really great um, look and feel. And uh, yeah, it's one of my uh, very favourite programmes from 2018. Cool. Uh, this is another, it's on my Netflix list, uh, but I haven't got around to starting it yet. I think a bit like you alluded to there, I worried that it would be a bit sickly sweet just from the concept and, you know, you've got somebody like Ted Danson in it. Uh, but to be fair, it's been consistently uh, talked up by uh, well-respected critics and yourself. Uh, mm. So... <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself, are Dave is one of those... <laughs> <laughs> and correspondence yeah yeah um, mm. no yeah I really want to watch this but I can't really add anything I, I just haven't have you watched it Clive? Um, no but I really like the um, yeah the fact it is really positive sounds great because I think that's a, a bit like with music um, way harder to pull off <laughs> uh, without making it overly schmaltzy like you say so yeah the fact that it does that is really appealing to me so definitely to get around and watch this and also you know there's always room for something a bit light and uplifting um, there's not enough of that around so yeah. it's great to Absolutely. see awesome so um, have you decided if that's one or two Dave or are you just doing a calling them both one slash two so I think after having like listened to Alan considered my, uh, my my feelings on inside number nine I must say inside number nine has got to be my number one and so cool. I've put the yeah. good place at number two excellent um, which means we're round two, da-da, Al's number one. Cool. Uh, my number one is a show I've talked about uh, quite a while now. 
It's on its fourth season. And I think it's probably made my top five every single season, but usually about number four, number five. And I think I'm probably... This this feels a little bit like when The Departed got a best picture for Martin Scorsese in the sense that um, maybe it's not number one. Perhaps. I'm not sure it's necessarily better than Handmaid's Tale, although although I would say it's on the same level. Uh, I just feel mm-hmm. like this show in general is criminally underrated. And, it, you know, it's a spin-off. It, it, it had a guaranteed audience when it came out, but I don't think people have given it quite enough credit. So it's season four of uh, Better Call Saul, um, which is, for anybody who's watched uh, Breaking Bad, is basically the story of how Jimmy McGill became uh, Saul Goodman, the, okay, the very, very dodgy criminal lawyer or criminal lawyer um from breaking bad and um i think in breaking bad he's he he's more of a a comic character really you know the typical ambulance chasing lawyer sleazy will do anything and then in better call soul that there is there is a certain degree of yes there is dark comedy but there is a certain degree of of drama to it and i think it kind of peaks in this season actually which is probably the first season where we truly see him becoming Saul Goodman, going from somebody who, yes, cuts corners, yes, has had a dodgy past, but has had a heart, uh, to somebody who is fully entwined in the criminal underworld. And I think Bob Odenkirk is he's a very good performer, really. I mean, he's known uh, for being more of a, you know, a stand-up or sketch show performer with David Cross, who's uh, another comedian. But I think th- throughout this entire season, he's, he's, he's been superb. And this season sees him dealing with the fact that he's, he's kind of his nemesis, his brother, has, has died. And he struck, he's kind of deciding not to cope with that rather than struggling with it. And it, you see the, the building up of um, criminal enterprise in his name. What, what I love about this show more than anything, and what, what I loved about Breaking Bad as well, is um, the, the shots of just things happening but not necessarily relevant to the actual narrative and not necessarily entertaining when you describe them, but just shots of things being constructed, um, just things of people building things. And it's hard to make that sound good and it's hard to make it sound relevant, but there is there is a... I don't know. I don't know how you describe it. There is a serenity in watching it happen. And the way, the way it's shot is, is absolutely beautiful. Does it give like a, a sense of place as well? Sounds like yeah, it, it does. It does. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the show is built around you know some elements of extreme comedy. I mean, maybe not necessarily season four, but there there've been moments in Better Call Saul where I have burst into laughter. Not just you know a chuckle. Oh, that's funny. That's clever. Mm-hmm. Like literally cried with laughter in one one scene in particular. But when when it's dark, it is really dark. Um, and I think it's that mixture that gives this show a quality. Where I would actually go as far to say is I think I prefer this to Breaking Bad, and I loved Breaking Bad. Ooh. And you know, Breaking Bad consistently turns up on best ten TV shows of all time. You know, number one on some people's mm-hmm. list, and I do love it. Um, I genuinely think though this might be superior, uh, a lot more subtle. Um, yeah. And I don't necessarily think you need to have seen Breaking Bad to get this. I mean, there are little Easter eggs that are dropped in there. Uh, and I certainly hope not too many more characters from Breaking Bad show off, show up. Sorry, um, I think what they've done so far has worked and hasn't felt shoehorned. But yeah, I, I've loved this. I mean, it's 
I understand it hasn't done as well as the previous seasons of uh, Breaking Bad. You know, it's got solid numbers rather than great numbers. Um, but yeah, I, 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 this is an example of a, a spin-off done well. I mean, how often does that really happen? Almost, almost never, basically. I, I've, you hadn't seen Breaking Bad at all, had you, had you Clive? No, so I guess I want to watch that first. And yeah, I, I was halfway through it, I think. Well, uh, season two, maybe? I can't remember. Mm. I don't know how many. Is it one of those with like eight seasons? I can't Five remember. seasons in Breaking Bad. <laughs> okay. I mean, th- right, this is nearly so. caught up to it. So I, th- I think, I think, I don't know. I'm guessing that the next season, which will be its fifth, will probably be the last, but I don't know. Yeah. David, uh, okay. do you, uh, I can't remember if you'd seen Breaking Bad or not, had you? Yeah, so I've watched all of Breaking Bad. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've got nothing particularly against the thing. I just I grew really cold and tired of it by the end. I, um, it, okay. it, was, it, it didn't do a fat lot for me. I felt a little bit like I was trapped at the very end. Um, and I watched the first series of Better Call Saul, um, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know, I just didn't get into it. I can't. That's fair enough. That's all it is, I'm afraid. No, that's fair enough. I mean, it, it, it is in a similar style to Breaking Bad, so if Breaking Bad wasn't your thing, it, it's understandable. Um, I, would, I would say Better Call Saul definitely gets better. I would say the first couple of seasons are good, whereas <laughs> it, it, more, it evolves into something that I think truly great. I, I think it's... I mean, it's got a couple of characters in it where you know where they get to from Breaking Bad. You know what you know what kind of people they become, mm. and I think the show is so good at showing you how they got there without you know a lot of a lot of the times these origin stories you see in like a film or something like that. You'll see it and then you'll think to yourself, "Oh, it's just one thing that puts them over the edge," but it doesn't feel very authentic. Whereas in Better Call Saul, it's subtle things. It's it's you know. A gentle, you know, ocean wave against a rock over time just turns one person into a completely different one. I mean, um, mm. the poster for this season is brilliant. It's a it's a black and white picture of Bob Odenkirk who's looking very solemn, and then he's holding a, a you know a mask on a stick of of um, Saul Goodman in color, who's smiling a kind of a cheesy smile, and he's kind of half putting it over his face, and I think that sums it up completely, really. Yeah, maybe, I mean, I could have easily made this joint number one with Handmaid's Tale, but I'm giving it number one spot because I think as a body of work, it deserved to have had a number one by now, um, in, at least in my, my eyes anyway. Yeah, I was a huge fan of this. Cool, uh, which means we're round two, trying to come up with a consensus, which is going to be bloody difficult here. So we might need to just do a three or even a top two. <laughs> I don't know what you it guys is. think, because there's, no, mention- there's very little crossover. I'm just going to mention on, three, three other shows I watched, which came yeah, sure. to contention. But um, Wild Wild Country, we did mention this on the pods, um, documentary series about some mad cult that started in India but then became more famous in America on Netflix, heartily recommended. Came very, very close, probably the closest of the other shows. Um, also The Haunting of Hell House, which is probably the first horror series I've actually seen that I thought was genuinely excellent. Um came very very close again it wasn't just a horror series um it was genuinely good tv couldn't quite justify it the third one i'm going to mention is one that's slightly disappointing i did enjoy it um it's westworld season two liked it as you'll probably know if you listened to the podcast before but didn't hook me at all like the first one i thought it did get a little bit lost in its own pretensions of philosophy um it felt there were little little slithers of the Matrix sequels in it, in the sense that it lost what made 
the first one so good. I'll still be back for the third one because it wasn't anything like that bad. But um, yeah, a little bit disappointing. But yes, this is going to be very difficult to do our top five here. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll throw out a sort of uh, suggestion. <laughs> uh, I think it may be inside number one, number nine is number one, just because <laughs> yeah. Dave's got it at number one. Uh, you're both the experts and uh, you've got it at number three. So that's come on yes. both of your lists. Both I, think that's quite, I think that's quite clearly our number one then. Um, uh, maybe Handmaid's Tale number two, just because, because I, I really like it, but... I know Michael really liked it as well. Okay. And then after that, it's very tricky. That's very Better difficult. Better Call Saul, good place. <laughs> well, I think Al's number one would probably go then after that, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Then probably so the good that. place. Yeah, um, and then I, I'm thinking Last Chance You, just because I like the sound of it. But Yeah, and... <laughs> If we're, if we're going to force the top five, the top three probably makes more sense. Because I feel like after that, we're going a bit... Yeah, well, it was, yeah, that sounds good to me. Should we do that? Yeah. Let's go with the top three. Okay, so do you want cool. to read us through it, then, Clive? Yeah, so we've got um, our top three for 2018, the year that has passed quite a while ago, is uh, number three, Better Call Saul, and that's season four, is it, Al, specifically, but also... It is, as yeah. You, as you were saying, kind of, as a body of work. Um, Handmaid's Tale season two, and inside number nine. What season is that? A four no, season four and and a Halloween special. Yeah. Inside number nine, season four, a Halloween special is our number one. Fantastic. Um, so, uh, strong gonna, list there. I'm definitely going to check those out. A lot of those things that I have not seen. I'm going to put this out there right now. If um, Reece Shearsmith listens to this episode, <laughs> and if he specifically listens to this bit and tweets right. about it stick around podcast we'll donate 20 pounds to a charity of his name if he calls us out on twitter again hell yeah <laughs> e- even Damn. even if, even if it's a slag off our um our criticism of it um well quick say something yeah. controversial about it al because that, that's what that's what winds him up <laughs> <laughs> come on oh i'm not the... sure i can do it <laughs> i can't if it had been the good place i could have come up with a shit joke but mm. Inside number nine, some more well, yeah, like it's, it's still a lot of ideas from the good places inside number nine. A lot of them. Yeah. And sounds like it. Pretty much. <laughs> fucking troped. I thought, <laughs> I thought there was echoes of, what do you call it, Black Mirror, probably? Yeah. In it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same show, isn't it? Yeah. yeah oh, sorry, did I say inside like number nine? I meant Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, no, okay. Absolutely um, brilliant show. I uh, can't wait for season five. Um, awesome. Well, we're nearly done with our very late list, aren't we? We've only got one left to do. Um, if we can ever get it together, music. Yeah, music. Hopefully next week that'll Ho- be happening. Hopefully we can get it inside the the first third of uh, this year. That'd be nice. That'd be it? great, and then we can actually start making some relevant stuff again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can be on the pulse. Are you going to be watching any telly today, Dave? Uh, no, I don't think so. What What on earth are you going to do with your time? No, I know. Well, at the minute, I'm really need to go to the toilet, so that'll be the next hour. Okay. <laughs> number one, number two, bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh Jesus. Number three, the number full three. gamut. Yeah. <laughs> Clive, you're going to watch any telly today? Um, I might watch one of those things. Yeah, I don't know what. But we'll see. We'll see. Depends what's going on. 
sure it's going to be an action-packed day in Doncaster yet again. So, who knows? Go get yourself over with me, mate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to. Right, okay, well, we're going to be back next time with music top yep. five, I presume. Possibly top three, who knows? Excellent, yeah. Um, it's, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. It's goodbye from... I should have done that me last there. Start again. Scratch that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's goodbye from Al first. Adios. It's goodbye from Dave. Sayonara. And it's goodbye from me. Bye. Stick around. Stick around. Hasta pronto. Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around